Cool. We're live today. I'm joined by my good friend, Sean Edwards, who is the CEO of Lisi in the US. Sean, welcome. Why don't you give us a background on how you got started and your journey to date in e-commerce? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me, Adam. Uh, so I'm from South Carolina, uh, for, for everyone in the States, that'd be Florence. Um, it's just about an hour away from where I am now here in Myrtle beach. Uh, but that's why I grew up, you know, normal family, two parents and a younger brother. Uh, I was never particularly interested in business up until more so when I got to college. Uh, but I was always, you know, I, I was always playing around with the idea of maybe owning something for myself one day. I just didn't have any clue of how that would actually play out. Uh, so really how we got introduced to Lisi was I went to Coastal Carolina University or here, let me go this way. I think you can, <laughs> you can see yeah, that. I can see it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that, which is in Conway, South Carolina. That, that's where I still am now. But I went to undergraduate there. Uh, and there's this program at Coastal called the Wall Fellows Program. Essentially, it's just a two-year development program in the business school. Um, and it's specifically for students that want to go into a higher level career directly out of college. And so one of the things that they do, believe it or not, Coastal has a large Icelandic alumni association, which seems kind of odd just because there aren't, I mean, there's like 400,000 people. Total <laughs> yeah. in so like the fact that we have close to 100 alumni is kind of crazy, but they started coming to Coastal playing soccer back in the 80s. Um, and so, and like, you know, I was able to meet a couple Icelanders when I was at Coastal as well. But anyway, Lisi is an Icelandic company and they're actually the world's leading producer of fish oil. And so what this program did was they would do different projects with Icelandic companies mm -hmm. and th they would just be on different topics, different types of companies, different industries. Uh, we would do like a six to eight month project and then actually go to Iceland and present our work. Well, that was just what we were commissioned to do, if you will, for Lisi. Uh, but they ended up really liking what we did and they had an interest in coming to the U.S. market. And so what we decided on was if we wanted to take the project a step further, we could put together a go to market strategy for them, go to Lisi and pitch it. And if they liked it, then, you know, maybe we could discuss something. So we did that. They loved it. And long story short. Uh, myself and then Ross, uh, who's my business partner, it was also in the Wall Fellows class. They gave us the opportunity to bring Lisi to the U.S. Um, so, I mean, just to give you some background, Lisi's a hundred million dollar company. Uh, they have an eleven percent global market share of fish oil production. Wow. So they're they're massive, but most of their money uh, and just business in general for the last, you know, th th they're over eighty years old. So for 70 of those years, it was pretty much all bulk sales. It's like they made an excellent product, but they weren't really on the consumer side. I see. So that's kind of where we came in and brought them to the U.S. and sort of how we how we got here today. And that was in 2017, June. So coming up on four years of doing it. That's incredible. So was there any resistance because you mentioned like, you know, this is you're what, 21 years old at the time. And yeah. $100 million company. Why yeah. do you think they gave you the responsibility to take it to markets in the US? A big one was because they were okay with having a soft start. Mm. Uh, 
they don't have tons of U.S. knowledge or, or at least didn't at the time. Uh, and so what they were okay with was, I mean, we're not their employees or anything. Like, it's not like we became salespeople for Lisi. Well, we are, but we set up our own LLC. We did all of that. And so it was a massive opportunity, but also they were able to give us that opportunity without a ton of risk just because mm -hmm. like, they weren't, you know, guarantee guaranteeing us like a hundred grand salaries year one. You know, like if we don't produce, we don't make money. So that was their thinking alongside that. Even then the idea of two 21 year olds taking that is, is pretty wild. Uh, but we were very grateful for the opportunity. And I mean, I think we put together a really good plan, which is something I think we'll talk a little bit more about uh, as we go through. But age now matters so much less. I it, agree completely. It, it, it just really doesn't. I mean, you know, it's important to learn from people that have more experience, which is something I've been able to to do. And I've been very fortunate in that regard. But like I said, I'm sure it's something we'll talk about more. But I mean, you, you can be 18 in this and here or in Europe or almost anywhere and and make a name for yourself. So it's all about it's all about if you want it and if you're willing to to learn and do the work. So. I completely agree. And actually, if you look in the direct to consumer yeah. industry that we're heavily involved in, most of the people are 20s, young 30s. You don't see that mm -hmm. traditional people in the blazer and the suits so much anymore. Right. And yeah, you're able to land even big deals as like a service provider working from home with a remote team. So I agree, a lot more people are getting through on merit now rather than these old hierarchical systems that are just outdated. I like the way you said that. I like that. Like it's, it's a merit based thing. Like mm -hmm. at the end of the day, man, like, you know, especially people in the health supplement industry, you know, we do have a passion for people and, and we want to help people. Uh, but let's not like, <laughs> let's not make ourselves out to be saints here. Everyone wants to make money. Everyone wants to make money. Yeah. Um, if you can make someone else money, they'll listen to you. And it, again, it just doesn't matter as much anymore on, on age. If you can deliver, you can deliver. And, and that's that. I completely agree. So, okay, let's take it one step forward. You got the deal with Lisi. What's your go-to-market strategy? Like, do you focus more on the retail sides or do you go directly to the consumer with Amazon, your own Shopify websites? Like what was the next steps after you got that deal? Uh-huh. That's a good question because it has changed in every way. Uh, we started directly going to retail. The idea was starting with smaller retailers uh, that are in the health supplement space and like just healthy grocery stores. Uh, and the plan was to go there, grow, and then eventually land something like a Whole Foods and then, and then go from there. Well, we did do that. We grew in about 50 to 60 smaller retailers in the Southeastern region. And then we did actually gain placement in Whole Foods in the mid-Atlantic region in about 50 stores or so. So like Maryland, uh, D.C., Pennsylvania, that area. Um, and the product did very well at first in Whole Foods. Uh, we were able to do tons of sampling. A big thing with us is, which and we haven't talked about it yet, we do the what people think about of fish oil we do capsules and chewables and all that stuff but we specialize in liquid products which mm -hmm. 
if you tell anyone <laughs> that you're taking liquid fish oil, their first instinct is to be like, what are you talking about? Like, like absolutely not. It just, it doesn't sound appetizing. So to get people to buy it, you got to get them to try it. Yeah. Now I'm very lucky because Lisi makes the best liquid fish oil on the planet, like bar none. Like it's actually insane how good it is, but until someone has tried that, they're not going to spend 30 bucks on your product. So yeah. we were able to do tons of demos in Whole Foods and we were selling out like on a regular basis. Then COVID hit and we couldn't do like taste tests anymore. And so, I mean, really we just, it's as simple as we had not built a brand name for ourselves yet in Whole Foods to where people are just going to be buying us after they see it on the shelf. We're just not that big yet. And so sales really plummeted there. Um, fortunately, we had already begun the process of going uh, D to C both on our website and on Amazon. Uh, then once COVID hit, we were able to transition to that. And so now, I mean, it's 90% those two platforms as well as some other like third party retailers. Um, yeah. You know, we do hope to eventually get back into retail and, and push there. But in my mind, until COVID restrictions are loosened and we can get back to regular taste tests, yeah. it, it, it's, I don't think, a good idea for us quite yet. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Out of curiosity, do you have any stats in terms of, because like you said, a lot of the markets consumes fish oil in capsule form. What's the breakdown between people who consume it in liquids form to capsules? Do you have any data on that? I can't give you an exact number, but I can say the vast majority are taking capsules, like yeah. the, the vast majority. Uh, now, there is a growing interest in liquids just because um, they call it uh, like a capsule overload or like there's yeah. a bunch of <laughs> terms for it. But like people don't like swallowing like tons of huge yeah. pills every day. Yeah. Um, and so we, we try to, you know, make products that aren't, you know, like the massive horse pills like that. But yeah. people are beginning to become more interested in the idea of a liquid product mm -hmm. it comes with education. Uh, and then also just saying, you know, like I personally take it straight out of the bottle. Like, I mean, it, it has no fishy taste or aftertaste doesn't give you the burps or anything like that, but yeah. people like the versatility. So like if you, if you make a morning smoothie, you can throw it in there. Yeah. Um, if you like, you know, do juices in the morning, you can do that. You can mix it with um, salad dressing and, and do that. So like, it, it's a very versatile product for someone who doesn't want to have to take tons of pills. That's very interesting, actually, what you said. And I resonate with that capsule overload because when I was younger and I used to take tons of supplements, there was fish oil, there was glucosamine, there was MSM. I mean, that was just like your joint stack when you were bodybuilding. And then that comes before like all the testosterone boosters and, you know, creatine, BCAAs. Like there was so many capsules, multivitamins to mm -hmm. take on a daily basis. So yeah, even back then we did used to explore the, um, the liquid forms of fatty acids essentially. So yeah, very interesting. Um, let's come a little bit on to... Um, the D2C side then, so obviously you've had to do a bit of a pivot. I know you sell on Amazon and I know you go direct from the websites on Shopify as well. Like how do you balance the two of those out without maybe cannibalizing like the Amazon sales or likewise the D2C? Like how much attention do you give to each and what's been the strategy on each of them? Yeah, uh, again, 
very good question because I think anyone in our category is going to be thinking about the, that exact same thing, right? And so there's there's a couple different ways you can go with it. Ultimately, the important thing is that you're growing both alongside each other, yeah. in my opinion. Um, so I'll be honest, we do right now sell a lot more on Amazon than we do on our website. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we're not giving attention to our website, nor does it mean that in the future we won't even try to get customers to our website from Amazon. Mm -hmm. The thing is this, <laughs> Amazon knows what they're doing, man. And, uh, I mean, it's not difficult to imagine how many more people are going to see your product on Amazon than from your website. I mean, people are on Amazon every day. Uh, they'll either see it through search or just be targeted from one of your ads. Like, I mean, how many more people are seeing it on Amazon versus typing in leasey.us, you know? Yep. So there are a lot of reasons why people would get super attached to Amazon and then just put all of their focus there. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to understand the pros and cons of both. Uh, I will absolutely say I'm a huge fan of Amazon. I know some people don't, <laughs> don't like it. I, I love Amazon just because of its simplicity and how well it actually works. Yeah. But also realize that if you are prime available uh, and you're shipping through uh, FBA fulfilled by Amazon, they're going to take their cut. Uh, so you need to understand your margins uh, and then understand what percentage of every sale they are taking uh, and then and then account for that. Also realize that all of the tactics that uh, someone like you uses uh, for, you know, retargeting or sending out emails and newsletters and stuff, those capabilities, a lot of them just don't exist on Amazon. They're very stingy with with what you can know about your customers. Um, which is something that, of course, Shopify is not at all. So it's it's really balancing the two and understanding the benefit of the short-term gain from Amazon sales while also realizing that if you fully depend on Amazon, someday that could really come back to bite you. Absolutely. Not uh, also building your, your website. And I suppose through looking at it through that lens as well. Like you said, Amazon's a brand awareness channel. So because you're pumping out a lot of volume, at least then you're getting the product into people's hands and they do have the option to obviously come directly to the website in the future and buy from you directly. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, okay, so on the um, Shopify side that you have in particular, like what marketing strategies have been effective for you to date? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, <clears throat> a lot of the classic ones have been good for us. You know, I mean, Amazon PPC has worked really well, although uh, like keywords in our category have gotten a lot more expensive in the last few months. Uh, but, you know, a, a, a lot of the same stuff that, that, that works for everyone. Yep. Google ads are really good. They're actually less expensive than Amazon right now. We also do all the all the normal stuff, social media, influencers, all of that. I think the, the the point is that all of that can work for almost any brand. The yep. importance is whenever you're on those platforms is the story that you're telling and, and making sure that you have a cutout of your ideal customer. Like 
someone that walks in to Walmart once every three or four months and buys a thing of like 400 fish oil capsules for seven or eight bucks, that's just simply not our target audience right now. It's not to say that we couldn't put out enough education to get that type of person interested in our product. But if we're spending our time and money looking for that type of person, we're not getting a, a good return on, yeah. uh, on our time there. So it's important to tell a story uh, in a way that is captivating and also actually meets that, that target audience. So we want to be talking a lot about the sustainability of the product. We want to talk about the fact that our five-step refining process gets rid of the you know toxins and the mercury found in fish and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and then, again, to, to the point I've sort of already said, it's just realize you're not going to get every customer. And so instead of trying to figure out how do I just get the most possible sales using the widest possible net, I would actually suggest going more niche getting a really strong base and then slowly but surely branching out and, and seeing what works. But so, I mean, you know, the, the classic stuff has worked for us for, for the strategies. I think it's what you're saying and, and who you're yeah. talking with that information. That's, that's very important. That is very interesting. Actually. I love that because especially fish oil and um, the whole omega freeze fatty acids. It's such a competitive space. I know every space is competitive these days, but yeah. what sort of messages have you doubled down on that you found help differentiate you and sort of pull ahead from the other um, competitors in the space? What's worked for you in that regard? Number one, <clears throat> in terms of just separating ourselves from our competitors is the, is the taste of the uh, of the liquid that that is first and foremost because tons of people in our category have these horror stories yeah. of like their grandparents force feeding them cod liver oil as a child <laughs> this like thick viscous fishy oil that's just disgusting uh so being able to show people a product that's actually you know you can enjoy the taste of it and it doesn't give you any of the like the nasty flavor or burps afterwards yeah that is a huge huge selling point um so people people like that first and foremost also believe it or not liquid absorbs a lot faster than capsules do so mm -hmm. so that's another key piece um so so those are the those are two of the big differentiators and then of course, you get more into the sustainability uh, of the product. That's a little bit more splitting hairs, you know, but I mean, Iceland, uh, Lisi buys 100% renewable energy. Um, it's one of the most sustainable places in the world, Iceland is. I mean, like they're literally a beacon of sustainable fishing. Um, mm -hmm. so, so it's stuff like that. And then just having certifications that prove what you are actually doing to be adequate in terms of... Um, making a good product and producing it at mass scale, but also keeping the environment in mind. Uh, that's a big thing that Lisi sort of takes upon its shoulders considering the, the size of its operation. That's nice to hear, especially the way the world's going at the moment. Interesting as well that you talked about the taste because I think I mentioned to you, my first ever job was selling supplements at a local store. Yeah. Um, it was funny because I was so into the science behind all the products, like and educating the customers. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would bamboozle the customers when they came in and they said, you know, what's a good protein to build muscle? And I would go into so much science behind like the differentiating between whey, v casein, yeah. like the amino acid spectrum. And then at the end of it, these guys would just look at me and go, does it taste nice? That's right. all I want to know. <laughs> yeah. I go, yeah, this one tastes the best. And he goes, okay, I'll take this and just walks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. It's, it's, there's so much you can talk about with with health supplements. So the the key is to figure out what the the, the customer is interested. Exactly. Yes, yeah. you know, and and not bombarding them because you're exactly right. Like there's so much information available for health supplements that it's almost overwhelming. You know, so give information, but if you don't have to give them your entire playbook, then you know <laughs> there's no need. And that can always come later, right? Through nurturing the customer with content and emails and whatever, other marketing type of collateral. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what have been some of the obstacles that you've had to overcome that you didn't expect beforehand? Yeah, I think the uh, one that's really big is that to do everything yourself online, you really have to be technically sound. Uh, like the, the, there's just a lot that you need to know that, I mean, at least for me does not come naturally. Uh, so like one big obstacle for me is managing a team that can do it. So I, I work with developers in the U S Canada and India, uh, for our website, uh, and for Amazon. And it's a lot of just, you know, managing them and making sure that they understand what we want and yeah. then me having a deep trust in them to deliver. Um, for instance, I would consider myself a pretty decent copywriter, uh, especially with Lisi, just because at this point I know I, yeah. I know what people want. Um, but I have very, very little technical skill. Like if you if you hired me to do a website, like I don't think you'd be hiring me for a second job, <laughs> you know. So that is just completely out of my purview. So like the understanding that you're going to have to work with other people and, you know, manage expectations and then deeply trust them to deliver. And, and sometimes trusting their intuition over yours. Yeah. Uh, There's been many times where, where I've been working with our Amazon developer and we've been discussing things and I genuinely did not know the, the, the better answer. And so it was, I've been fortunate that, that they've really worked out for us. Um, and uh, th- th- they've been great people to work with who I can trust. But it's, it's realizing that you can do it all yourself, but they're, it's, it's pretty difficult, especially when it comes into like, should I be spending my time on, you know, m- maybe I'm not writing code for a website, but, but, but like, should I spend my time redesigning a certain area of the website? Or should I be spending my time on forward thinking and like where the company's going next and like what problems to anticipate six months down the road? You yeah. Know? So it's it's a lot of you know very early on when you're just starting. Yeah, yeah. You know, go go mess with the website yourself, see what you can do. Um, but it's I mean you you know this too. It, it, it takes some serious skill to be able to do this well. So if, if you have the means, I would highly suggest outsourcing or working with someone who has the experience. 
power of delegation i agree with you and preserving your energy for the power activities that will move the needle most Absolutely. let me ask you actually something that's that's interesting because um obviously i'm a service provider in e-commerce what do you look for when you vet these people to bring in these external partners whether it's facebook google ads email amazon developments the website development what are you looking for in particular because i know there's probably a lot of people in marketing who are watching now and wondering mm -hmm. like how to get through to somebody like yourself how would you choose somebody to work with well i think of course their proposal i mean I, the, the basics need to be there you know a, if you're sending a proposal it shouldn't just be a generic proposal like it should be specified to that brand um so being able to show off some of the things that you can do early on is important just because i mean i'll be honest I, I don't take a whole lot of you know just just random calls like that there's a very low likelihood of someone hitting me up on linkedin for a random 15 minute call and and me just taking it you know even maybe they would have made us a million dollars in the next six months like maybe they would have but it's just it's it's not going to get through just because i just i don't have the time to take every call that is offered to me through linkedin so a, a targeted strategy is always going to be better, even if that means going from 100 emails a day to five, like always target specific to the brand. So like just to get in the door, you need to have that stuff together. But then what I really look for is, you know, do they respond to, to emails quickly? Um, do they do the small stuff well like did, you know do, do they thoroughly answer questions if i ask them is is there information behind a paywall to where we have to put down like a deposit before we can really work with them um i just got a proposal yesterday uh from a team that does a lot of this stuff uh on for, for google ads website development uh and it was I mean, one of the best proposals I've ever seen, but it was because they went like above and beyond and went ahead and created like all these potential graphics they could use for us uh, mm -hmm. and a brand book and, you know, e email campaign ideas and, and all this stuff. You know, I think, of course, uh, on their side of things, you can't just spend all day developing plans for people that you might not actually get a deal for. They do have a lot of people working with them so so they can you know push that stuff out pretty quickly but i do think it is important to realize that if you're sending out tons of just you know feeler emails i'll call i'll call them it may work to a degree but if you want good clients you need to do good work and and, and have it specified to them so that that would be i, I that's kind of a long answer there but <laughs> I, I think the, 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 the specificity of what they're doing and then are they quick to reply to emails and and, and problem solvers and, and and that sort of thing so more granular targets approach targeted sorry approach compared to like mass markets just and i get 15 minute call <laughs> yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You show them why it, it's worth it to work with them versus versus any other any other thing like don't don't send a message that says we would love to work with you like that <laughs> that to get on a soapbox like that doesn't mean anything 
like that, that just does not mean like we would love to work with you. Of course. Yeah. Like, of course you would like me to pay you to do work. Like, you know, so would everyone else. So yeah. it's, it's more than that. And I don't, I've made the same mistakes. So it's not like I'm, you know, talking down to anyone for that. Yeah. It, it's more so just understanding that you, you have to realize that key decision makers get email after email after email all day. And so if you are not differentiating yourself and spending a little bit of extra time, mm-hmm. the, the likelihood of getting anywhere just isn't that great. Interesting. It's good to hear that feedback, actually, because I'm planning to go on a little bit of a um, cold sales approach myself in the next few weeks as we take on some more clients. So I've got a list of people we're interested in working with, and I'm going to test the waters and see whether some of these theories work. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, you'll have to let me know, which, I mean, you know what you're doing, man. So, I mean, that's the (laughs) – that's I've I've seen you guys' work before. So, So, yeah. Okay, um, before we finish off, what would your advice be to other people starting out? Like, it's a very competitive, fiercely competitive space, becoming more and more difficult. Like, what is your take-home message to people who are wanting to get into the e-commerce game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's two or three big ones. The first one would be know your numbers backwards and forwards. So know your product cost, know your margin, know your net profit. It's vitally important that you have that for everywhere, of course, on e-commerce, because one thing that people do is they'll get into price wars and they'll just keep trying to do deep discount after deep discount. The thing is, is that that can work occasionally, but for a brand that's starting out, if you're offering 30% 30% off and your margins are only like 40%. Yeah. It's just, that's a very, very quick downward spiral waiting to happen. So if you are going to provide deep discounts on your product, you need to either have really good margins or realize that you can't have that going on forever. Cause eventually customers will get in, will get used to that. And if they're used to buying your product 30% down, then when your product goes back to normal price, like what is that going to do to them? You know, so I would say knowing your numbers and understanding that discounts are a good way to get new customers, but not your overall strategy. That's that's very important. Um, One other one I would say is do a couple of things really, really well before you try to do everything at once. Uh, there is a lot of ways to spend money. <laughs> like Google will take your money. Like Amazon will take your money. Like anywhere you want to go, you can spend. Uh, it's like there's no shortage of places to spend your money, if you will. So the thing is, get really good at a couple of things. Maybe that's your website and Amazon. Okay. Get really good at those. And then, yeah, maybe you do start branching out and start selling on walmart.com um, lucky vitamin, uh, all these other third party e retailers. Uh, it's not that any of them are bad or good or one's better than the other. It's just that eventually if you know, like the, the thing with like people spinning plates on the, uh, like, like at like the circus or whatever on like the, those long sticks, like you can, 
if you've never spun plates before, you should probably start with a couple and then and then add on. So while that might be the worst analogy that anyone's ever said, <laughs> then that's kind of how I think about it. I've got you. Great advice. Completely agree with um, the margin, especially. I mean, I see it with some people we're working with where they're in such a habit of offering huge discounts and they're really squeezing the margin, especially when you factor in the cost of acquisition and it's very difficult to take those discounts away sometimes the more you keep giving them out. Let's um, switch to Samuel here. Greetings, Sean. Would you recommend for a brand struggling to find their identity on their e-commerce store in terms of content formatting? He likes your site and says it looks amazing. Oh, sweet. Thanks, man. There's a, what would you recommend for brands struggling to find their identity on their e-commerce store in terms of content formatting? I assume um, that you mean like the layout with that, Samuel. Hopefully um, I'm interpreting it correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so if he means layout, I mean, and, and again, let me preface this with saying I, this is a, a space where I know like a little less than, than more of the sales tactics. I'm not a huge design guy. Um, but I mean, a, one thing that you can do is like depending on uh, what industry you're in, if you are struggling, go look at four or five different competitors, not to copy them, uh, but to understand what works well with their website, take those from theirs and then maybe find things that you don't like so much and then implement those yourself. Um, you, you might as well take ideas from your competitors because I can promise you they're doing it from you if, you're, uh, if, if your brand is, is large enough. Um, so, and then, just maybe even outside of your competitors, what websites do you go to that you really like? You know, find out why uh, why something works so well for you. Um, what parts of the buying experience do you find very easy um, on Amazon or like um, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, Okay. Yeah. Like, like dollar shave club. That, that's a classic D to C that's absolutely exploded. And I believe they sold recently um, to, to a larger conglomerate. But like, if you go to their website, it's so, so simple. Like it, it's impossible to mess it up. Right. But that's their whole shtick. Like they want it to be simple because like you sign up one time and then you just get weekly shipments, you know? So, so it's very easy to use. It serves their purpose. Whereas if you're a brand that is extremely heavy on the educational piece, maybe it's not quite as simple. Like maybe you still have the first page as a sales page, but then you have tons of other links to, you know, scientific studies about, I mean, in our case it'd be fish oil or, you know, so it's taking, taking things that you like from other pages, but then putting your own brand twist on it and then, you know, doing some things for yourself, I'd say. I hope that's a decent answer, but I mean, that's what, that's what we've done. I mean, like that's literally what we've done. So I think it makes perfect sense. I think it's a great answer and yeah, it looks like we were on the money um, in terms of layouts. That's the original question. So yeah. Is there anything you'd add to that, Adam? No, I think your advice is great. I think ultimately look at what's working for other people and yeah, copy and replicate it. And then, Mm -hmm. Once you figure out the basics of what's working for others, then you can survey your own customers and find out more about their point, pain points. So yeah. for example, send an email out, um, collect feedback from in store, like you said, when you're doing the sampling, 
and then use their pain points to feed back into the copy and overcome those objections in the design, in your copy, your marketing collateral. So just make sure that any type of objection somebody has, you're clearly solving that pain point or making it clear that you're able to tackle it. Yeah, that's very smart. I mean, hey, you've got an email list, like especially if it's a person that is buying regularly from you and like you can really tell they're one of your, you know, product champions, we'll call them. It's I mean, they uh, people want to give advice. They want to give their feedback, especially yeah. if it's on a brand that they trust and like. So, I mean, yeah, just like you said, shoot them an email, say, hey, what, you know, what do you like? What don't you like? And what would you like to know more about? And then just target that directly. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think the sales and marketers inside us, like we always like to think we can guess what the customer knows best, but ultimately the answer is lying in front of us sometimes. Just ask them and then figure it out. Yeah, it's it, it's very true. It's very true. You, you can get you can get a little complacent in your knowledge sometimes because you think you know everything because you've heard so many different questions about it and answered them a thousand times. But But if you don't ask, you don't know. 100% agree with you. Sean, it's been a pleasure, mate. How can people contact you to learn more about Lisi? Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, well, first, easiest way is to just add me on LinkedIn. I'm on every single day. I post regularly. Um, so I would say that. Uh, and then also, I mean, it's got my contact info on there. If you're interested specifically in Lisi, you can hit my email, just Sean, S-E-A-N, at Lisi, L-Y-S-I, dot U-S. Um, I'm happy to answer questions, man. So, so thank you for having me. This, this has been fun. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. Absolutely, mate. It's been a pleasure. So I'll tag you in the post and likewise, if anyone has any questions for Sean, feel free to comment and I'm sure he'll get back to you. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Get, tag me in the, uh, comments if you have a question and I'll, I'll be on next couple of days to, to do it. Good stuff. Thanks for your time, Sean. I'll speak to you soon. Awesome, Adam. Take care, man.